Welcome back to the Jojatorium. Well, I think remember too. Whenever uh, it was, we found the the German Scheiser porn. That's not a lot of each other. You're in twerk classes over there. That's what yeah, you, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the fitness class. Working on them TikTok videos you like so much. Dead face. Welcome back to the Jojatorium. You know who it is. It's Adam. It's Matt. We're decaying with the boys. And arms don't bend that way, Botchasaurus. So, winter is here. So are stouts. And so is Danky. Head on over to firstsipbrewbox.com right now to check out some of the limited edition gear from the dynamic duo that brings you the best beer gear a craft beer nerd could ever want. Don't forget to check out the other goodies in their store, including food, glassware, hangover cures, and much, much more. Again, that's firstsipbrewbox.com. Just make sure you tell them the boys sent you. Well, Adam, I made it. I'm here. How are you? Good. I mean, you're not here. No, we're zooming. We're zooming. Because daddy got Omicron. I got that Amari on. <laughs> you got that Amari on. I got B2K'd. <laughs> Is that the old version of MSK? Yeah, and it's a it's a something. It's almost like how Omarion tried to be Usher. Omicron's trying to be Delta, and it didn't work <laughs> out. Uh, Omicron tried to take me out. It sucks. I'll say that, but I'm uh, I survived a week of this, and today I think it's the best day I've had for a while. And all I can say is, I'd rather have comic book variants than COVID variants. So. <laughs> But the cool thing was, though, Adam, I got to watch a lot of uh, awesome stuff on TV. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I've watched. I got, I got a new show, too. But what did you watch? I watched a couple things. Um, of course, I watched I Think You Should Leave because that's comfort watching. And uh, I could watch those skits all day long. But I watched is there a lot anything of new or is it still just two seasons? It's still two seasons. Yeah. Uh, but I did watch some uh, cooking shows, too, like Best Leftovers Ever. So, I don't know. People who leave leftovers in the fridge are quitters. I'm not. Uh, I barely have leftovers because, come on, I'm thick. Um, but they'll take old food, zhuzh it up, and give you some gourmet stuff, which is pretty cool. Um, and then mil- Million Pound Menu, which is new to me. I didn't know about this show, and I wish I would have known. Uh, three upstarts try to like make a restaurant, and they get investors from like all over the world to come in. There's four of them almost like shark tank but with food i like it a lot it's, i'm still watching it now even after i've gotten out of uh my quarantining and last That's but not awesome. least one that you'll like a lot and i think that you should definitely watch this on shutter uh my heart won't beat unless you tell it to i thought it was about me and you that's what i thought at first <laughs> i instantly think vampires definitely vampires well because you told me shutter i, I yeah. think vampires but uh, it's a vampire slash, I'd say, psychopathy movie, and it's a cool, dark, slow burn. Uh, it has lots of really cool, nuanced uh, instances in it, and I think it uses lighting and silence very, very well. Uh, great movie. I highly recommend it, especially if you have the Omicron variant and you need something to do. <laughs> I'm not a huge vampire fan, but I like Psychopath. So. Yeah, and I would say, too... Be- it's it's cool because the movie it's not so much focused on the vampire as much but it's about people that are assisting the vampire so it's it's pretty cool and that's where the psychopathy comes in 
So Adam, despite the fact that I have Omicron, I do have a beer here on my side. So I'll take round one beers. Uh, so it's round one. I have Omicron. I have beers. Put them together. Call it round one beers. So I brought here with me uh, 21st Amendment's Fireside Chat. It's a winter spiced ale clocking in at uh, 7.9% ABV. It's a nice uh, winter ale. It's spiced up. It's got a little bit of everything you want in a winter ale, and it's not too overpowering. I've had quite a few of these. It's actually one of my favorites from uh, 21st Amendment. Um, I'm not a big 21st Amendment guy, but when I get a moment to get one, it's usually this one and then the Heller High Watermelon because I like to make mixed drinks out of it. But yeah, this thing's really good, man. It's just, it's got a, uh, it's just not overwhelming. It's not an overwhelmingly spiced ale, but it comes across what it says. Yeah, that's a good uh, winter beer for sure. That I think that's my favorite thing 21st Amendment makes. Yeah. And since you took round one and since peek behind the curtain, we're doing this pretty early in the morning. I am drinking some Black Forge Americano <laughs> and it's eight degrees outside. So I got a hot coffee and, and I'll, I'll have a round two beer. Perfect. Yeah. Get yourself warmed up with that Black Forge. Shout out to Black Forge, by the way. Love those guys. And then when we come to round two, I'm sure you have a banger hiding behind the curtain. I do. It's one of your favorite breweries. Oh, I wish I was there with you. But I don't know if I can taste anything properly, so I would just be wasting it. <laughs> so, Adam, we gotta we gotta move into some combat news here. So, from Buckle to Bell, the boys bringing the best wrestling news in the biz. So, AEW had their first show on TBS, and it's come with some mixed reviews. Now, I don't want to break down the whole card, but I think it'd be important to break down the four most important matches of the night. Uh, that being the tag championship, the world championship, the TBS championship, and then uh, Pillman versus Black. Because I feel like with Pillman versus Black, you were supposed to see some other things happen. But let's dive into this and let's start off with uh, Hangman Adam Page taking on Brian Danielson for the AEW World Championship match. Now, this is the part two because we saw the 60-minute uh, timeline draw that happened uh, about a week or so ago prior to this one. And it gave them an opportunity to really hang their hat either on Hangman's ability to be a champion or on Brian Danielson's ability to completely take over an entire wrestling organization with his skills um, and his, I think we said it before, his veiled attempts to be a heel. So, Adam, what did you take away from this match? I thought this was a great, and this was the first match on the card, first match on TBS. I thought it was a great way to come, uh, come out guns a-blazing. Uh, it was a great match. I liked it better than their first encounter. I thought it was more interesting and more um, more like a blood feud, more like two enemies going at it. It wasn't it was very technical still, but it was technical in a very rough, gritty way. And I thought it was a great match. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that they um I like the swerve of it too, because this match had the three judges along the side of the ring to try to ensure like, Hey, if it goes to 60 minute time limit again, we're going to have a whole scorecard going here. And you felt that throughout this match that all while it wasn't completely one-sided, you did feel that Brian Danielson had more of the technical uh, prowess in the match, but Adam page definitely had some of the moments. He had a lot of violence. He had a lot of power and there's a lot of focus from Danielson on the arm of hangman, Adam page to try to get rid of the lariat which, you know, that's the ultimate finisher. I do like his dead eye a lot more, though. I, I like feel like it just, it looks cool. I like the dead eye way better. Yeah. Um, we had some blading in here. We had some crimson red masks. 
Uh, and then the, one of the coolest parts was when Danielson actually collapsed before he could receive the buckshot lariat. So yeah. it was, was coming over top of the rope and then he just, the blood loss just took him. Um, I liked that it went to a pin. I liked that it was a swerve that everyone thought was going to go to the time limit draw. And nope, we, we saw Adam page find that last bit of cowboy shit in him. And he hit uh, the uh, dead eye on the outside of the ring, rolled into the inside of the ring, hit the buckshot lariat for the one, two, three. And then I don't, do you come back for a third match? Not, no, not right away. Let Danielson go. There's a bunch of guys he can fight on the card. Let MJF. him another program. Yeah. MJF, please. MJF. <laughs> I think that's going to be reserved for punk. I think they're still doing that that deal um but yeah great match i i thought the judges might come into play until i saw one of them was jerry lynn and then i was like okay nothing to worry about here i also like that paul white was there and when the camera got on him he had his eyes as wide as basketballs and he was looking at like the guardrail he wasn't even looking at the match like how the hell are you gonna score this thing dude with his with his little clipboard with absolutely nothing written on it. nothing he didn't have a pen did he i didn't see a pen in his hand He's just using his pointer finger. I was just going to etch it with my fingernail. <laughs> so I know you want to talk about the matches, but real quick before we get to the rest of the matches, sure. th- this was the highlight of the show for me. And then, it well, no, then there was the Punk and MJF did a quick promo. That was awesome. Yes. And then after that, it went downhill. So like the first 45 minutes to 50 minutes were great. Then I, I it turned as soon as I think Jericho did a promo before the women's match. Yeah. And Ebus was that. It was so, it was cringe Jericho. It was bad. It was pretty tough to watch, man. I went from uh, needlehead to squarehead. Yeah, or whatever. Oh, my God. It It wasn't good. It's like Barney insults. It was terrible. It was super cringy. It's so transparent that he's just trying to get in. Somehow they're going to wiggle this into a match between him and Kingston. Because Kingston's hot, so Jericho needs to go fart on the fire. Like... Same thing he did with Orange Cassidy. Same thing he does with MJ. He did with MJF. He does it with everybody. Yeah. Like, oh, let me just get them in this really delayed program and keep them out of interesting shit for two months. So, the Sammy Guevara effect. Yes, uh, I just wanted to vent about that. Now I'm good. We can just talk about the matches. Well, it was good though because you're right. The next match I did want to talk about was a TBS Championship Tournament Final between Ruby, Ruby Soho and uh, Jade Cargill. Of course, the winner takes home the inaugural. Uh, TBS Women's Championship, which that belt is looking pretty cool. I like the little blue accents on the on the plates. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think it's a cool belt for sure. Um, the match, however, what did you think? <laughs> I had a lot of problems with the match. Um, I never wanted wrestling's hard. Wrestling is hard. Acting's hard. Making content's hard. I don't want to say anybody sucks at something. I will say that I felt that. Um, you had two wrestlers who really wanted to actually be the inaugural championship champion. Um, but the problem that I had here was Jade really showed some points where she was very, very green. But my hope was as the match escalated, I thought that they exchanged pretty well. There wasn't anyone dominating in the match. I thought it was a good back and forth. And I was like, you know what? As long as they finish this match really strong, it's not going to really matter how much green there was <laughs> leading up to it. And then all my dreams got dashed because that mountain, what does she call it? The, uh, what's the, I don't Jade's called. finishing move. It's a face plant. 
Yeah. Um, it's like the old, uh, somebody used to do one back in the Divas and they called it the implant buster because you just fall on your chest and your face. Yeah. So that- it's like a version of that. It goes from like a full Nelson to like a face plant. It's definitely but a power move. Is it called the Colossus? Or yeah. Like that? Didn't Beth Phoenix else? use it? Beth Phoenix used it. For uh, maybe that's what, yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Beth Phoenix, when Beth did it, it was the Colossus. And she yeah. did like a sit out version. Yeah. Instead of a standing version. But yeah, it's kind of like the Colossus. It's meant it's meant for strong women, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's meant to show off strength. Um, the whole thing, you could see the communication between the two. You could see the hesitancy from Jade. She wanted to go to the top rope, and Ruby's like, no, you're not taking me up you're there. You're going to kill me. <laughs> yeah. And then you could tell how apprehensive Ruby was whenever they made their descent to the mat because she put her knee down, her elbow down, and her other hand down, knowing that, there's no control in this thing. Um, she sold it afterwards pretty well, but getting down to the mat was pretty tough. And of course, you know, Jade with the one, two, three, she takes home the inaugural belt. It looks good on her. Um, I just yeah. want to see who is going to challenge her next because Mercedes Martinez and uh, Thunder Rosa are already in entanglement. So yes. who's next? Uh, kind of to play off of what you said, I think Jade her look is a 10 out of 10 can't Absolutely. get any put the title on her because she looks so good with the title she looks so good in that ring she's huge she's puffed she's jacked she's ripped um oh, and then everything else needs to catch up to the look like the the, the in-ring promo not terrible because she's got um smart mark starling to like oh, yeah baby. um but the in-ring she had no the problem was you want a longer match because it's the inaugural kickoff to the champion she had no business doing a 15 minute match, not even close. Now that she's the champion, she can squash a couple people and she'll look good and keep training. I think she can get there. She's clearly an athlete. She just has to get the timing and the, and the bumps and the get a little smoother in there. Um, and she could be great. I mean, she, she looks great and she's, yeah, I, I think she has the right attitude to be a great heel going forward just a little early, but I think it was the right move still. Yeah. Just that match was sloppy. I can agree with that. Yeah, I, th- I think uh, the whole learning on the job as a champion thing is going to be pretty overwhelming. And I hope she does well because she does look great with the belt. Like you said, just she looks like a modern day storm from X-Men. Like she's just jacked, man. Yeah. Well, and the nice thing with it, the TBS title kind of being their women's mid title, like their yeah. you know mid card title. Uh, she can defend it on just cable TV in five minute matches. Like you don't need to have that on the pay-per-view every time. Wait until she's ready. Wait till she works with somebody and like has a good 10 minute match set up and then do it and just keep doing that slowly, slowly, but surely. And she'll, she'll get there. I I am afraid to see what she would do against larger opponents. Cause I think she needs to have a smaller opponent to have the whole, I'm bigger, stronger, imposing my will kind of thing. I don't think her and like a Nyla Rose are going to put on a good match right now. Maybe down the road they would, but right now she needs like, a Hikaru Shida, she needs a Rio, uh, she right. needs like a Penelope Ford, she needs people that she can kind of overwhelm with her power. Now, I think she could put on a good match with Hikaru Shida because I think Shida has a lot of the, the skill set to kind of combat the green that Jade has and kind of put her in some good spots. Right. Um, but I'm excited to see what happens next. I want to see Jade do well. I want to see everyone do well over there. Um, so yeah, good luck fun. to you. Yeah. And as far as getting two big people in the ring, you can say the same thing with the guys. Like, if you had Big Show and Mark Henry in that ring, it was never a, you know, cl- match classic. It was clunkers. It's it's yeah. just sometimes two big people 
can't work well. You know, B- Dave Batista did really well with some big guys and really crappy with others. Like, it's just, yeah, yeah it's just the chemistry. So speaking of chemistry, uh, I want to jump into a match just super quick. I wanted to mention it. The, the Brian Pillman Jr. versus Malachi Black match. Um, I felt like this match was supposed to have some other things happen in it. Um, but there was just fast forward to the botch. It looks like, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but I give Malachi Black a lot of credit for making up for it because Brian Pillman Jr. went for a springboard, maybe drop kick, I would say. That's, that's usually his thing is the missile drop kick. And he slipped and caught yeah. that black mass, baby. Yeah, I, I don't, I mean, it definitely, I think it was definitely a botch. I think he was going to do like a springboard, like, uh-huh, and Malachi Black was going to spin kick him out of the air, I think Ooh. is what was going to happen, which makes his him resetting and timing it correctly still even that much more amazing. Yeah. That's what I yeah. think they were going for. Um, yeah, the whole match is, <laughs> Pillman looked pretty good for part of it and looked really bad at the end. Um, best part was, his mullet ponytail slid down a little bit and he looked like Gaston from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> cool. No one botches like Gaston. No one fucks up like Gaston. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was what it was. Malachi looked strong and let's get Brody King in here. Come on, let's do this. And I thought that's what was going to happen here because at one point, even when Malachi was kind of backing up down the ramp after there was, you know, Lucha Brothers came out and tried to do some stuff here. I was like, this is where Brody King makes his appearance. And then just didn't happen. And you could see he was even like, come on, when he's going up the steps. And it's not like he was saying it towards the ring. He was saying it kind of like towards the side of the ramp as if it feels like he called an audible on it. Right. Um, But I can't wait for Brody King. I can't wait for the expansion of the House of Black. I think it's going to be really cool. Um. The one thing that I will say is Brian Pillman Jr. is going to be a phenomenal star on cable television. I just don't know if it's right now, but it's it's got to be down the road here a little bit because he's got the skill set and working with a vet like Malachi Black. I mean, he did a pretty good job. It wasn't too crazy. It wasn't too botchville. Just the ending was the yeah. sticking part. I mean, I'm going to be cold and blown about it. He's no, He's not his father. No. I don't see him ever getting that level of ring ability but he's not terrible no. but prove me wrong i mean i love being proven wrong some no i never do but prove me wrong <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go into the match i know it really broke your heart here much like it almost broke ray phoenix's arm the aew tag team championship match between the lucha brothers and no longer college jurassic express it is Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus because the whole Marco stunt contract thing and we don't know what's supposed to happen here. Again, uh, so he hasn't wrestled since September. His matches came out on Dark and on Rampage in October, but all his matches were pre-recorded in mid to late September. Um, yeah. yeah, he wrestled for GCW at one point for uh, a go-home show for a big event for them. And since then, he's been quiet on all these different programs so i don't know if it's an injury i don't know if he's being cut by everybody i don't know what's happening um but now we just have Jurassic express is just jungle boy luchasaurus this match had left me wanting a lot more it was tough it was a tough one to watch only because um they're they're i don't mind spots i don't mind spots i really don't i'm a you know i'm a mark for those things but the whole thing where they're all linking hands together like hands across america and they're going to start doing some, like, I don't need that. Which 
could be a cool spot, but you got to move quick. If you're just standing there, kumbaya-ing, holding hands, it's not going to work. And I will say right now, and it's a little biased, but it was Luchasaurus. He was stutter-stepping every spot he was supposed to be in. He was like three seconds behind. Yeah. And it was super apparent because like all three other guys were super fluid, moving really well. There were a couple botches from the Lucha brothers, like just slipping on the rope or whatever, but every spot that Luchasaurus needed to be there for, he was not that he was three seconds behind on everything. And you could just tell, do you think it was, do you think he looked nervous when it came to bigger spots? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was apprehension. Yeah. Or maybe he can't see out of that stupid fucking mask. <laughs> I don't think it's cause he can't see out of his mask, Adam. <laughs> I think what, I think what really is here is that, um luchasaurus and i'm not gonna tell i'm not gonna say anyone's scared of anything because i don't i'm not inside of his head but when you're watching these matches that he's having when he's doing like his routine skill set like the kicks the punches the choke slams uh tagging in tagging out the flips over the rope and everything he looks like he's confident but when it gets to like uh like team moves conjunction moves like stuff like that he gets very slow he gets apprehensive i think there's a nervousness to him i don't think it's a scared i think it's a nervousness i think yeah and i think i think he has that even in some of his like when he does that standing moonsault you can see him like counting his head one and two and three flip and like same with the where like malachi black can throw his spinning back kick like fluid like it's on street fighter luchasaurus is like and take a step and take a step i set this foot and i kicking and like it's just like it's just slow. It's just like, but if he was a big power man and just like didn't have to worry about timing as much, he'd probably be really good. He should be, I've said it on this podcast three or four times now, he should be AEW's cane. He should just be a big man slamming people through shit, not breaking their arms. Um, and like, just be a power dude and just be scary, be intimidating. Don't be a goofy cartoon dinosaur character. Like, yeah. Well, I don't know. Just to go a counterpoint to you, he didn't break anyone's arm. Okay, yeah, he didn't break he his arm. <laughs> so if you haven't watched this match yet, and just trigger warning: if you have a thing about injuries, uh, this one's pretty brutal. And for some reason, the truck in the back kept showing replays of it as if they didn't see it, which kind of freaked me out a little bit. So there was a spot towards what became the end of the match where Luchasaurus uh, chokeslammed Ray Phoenix from the Lucha Brothers through a table. Um, and what you see is his, is the left arm of, of Ray Phoenix gets caught underneath of himself and bends backwards to where you see a pop, a physical pop. Yeah. Um, everyone's, you know, oh my God, the worst has happened here. He's broken his arm. You're talking about, yeah, surgeries going to be out forever. Uh, fast forward past all this, it just dislocation, no ligament damage should be a short turnaround for him. Thank God. Ray Phoenix, one of our favorite wrestlers here in the Jojatorium, um, but we got to go back to looking at whether or not is that Luchasaurus's fault? Is that something that he should take uh, responsibility for for that table spot? Um, it's. I think he shot. He threw Phoenix a little far. Like he pushed him a little too far out, so he missed the table a bit. I mean, as far as like the arm break, that was just a. I think it was just an unlucky fall. I don't mean to defend Luchasaurus. But <laughs> you you look like just kind of a freak accident. I mean, it's a choke slam off the apron through a table. That's a pretty tough spot to calculate. And I think it was just uh, like they were off by just a couple inches and it made that it made that landing rough. I could agree with that. And that's where I was kind of thinking of it, too. It's, you know, this is an inherent risk that wrestlers take. 
whenever they're doing these kind of things. And, um, you know, Ray Phoenix has been known to be a bit reckless with his body as well. But I, I and I, I agree with you that the spot, a choke slam through a table is crazy. But if you look at some of the shit that Ray Phoenix has done, it's kind of, it's not nearly as bad as like, you know, uh, was that a, a full blown cross body off the top of a steel cage? I mean, right. I think, I think AEW needs to start an investigation on Ray Phoenix. I, I really do. Uh, I believe that man is made of rubber. And yes. I think there should be an investigation. Yes. Uh, Stretch Armstrong, if he was made uh, in Mexico, it would be Ray Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> the rubber so, burrito. So the whole, uh, the injury happens. And of course, from there, all these guys are professionals. They all snap into place. I think the ending was always for Jungle Boy uh and luchasaurus to go over but i think they had to get to a different way to get to the ending i think there's supposed to be some interference i think again this is where you're supposed to see malachi black and brody king do something um but real quick roll up on penta surprise great job by penta by the way got the three count and then kicked out right as the third hand slaps the mat to make it look like oh my god i didn't see this coming great job Yeah. yeah Um, yeah, but it, it went home like you could tell there was still five minutes left in the show and yeah. like the match was over. So they like just had to pad for time advertising future shows. But um, yeah, I think they like every team get out there. Every tag team I have get out in the mat right now. Get out there and you challenge them. <laughs> they surprise showed Jericho in the crowd. He's like, oh, hi. <laughs> oh, hey, how's it going? I didn't know you guys had a camera on me. Hello. <laughs> Just wish he was burying a hot dog in his gullet at that moment. That would have been so good. Like, someone was just doing something really reckless. Like, <laughs> he's, like, trying to chug a hot dog or chug a beer and put a hot dog in his mouth at the same time. Just, like, trying to <laughs> double fist it. That'd be cool. If you suck through the hot dog hard enough, it's like a straw. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, that the, the whole card from AEW had a few botches in it. But you know what else had a bunch of mess in it? WWE's day one, uh, much like myself, COVID wrecked this card uh, to a degree where a lot of shifts had to happen. Most notably, Roman Reigns uh, screen positive just before the card was scheduled to kick off, leaving the Reigns and Brock Lesnar match out dry. So incoming fatal five way. Uh, everybody that was in a championship match just got all shoved into the same championship match. And you had yep. um, you had some man it was tough because i really thought that there was going to be uh some better outcomes than this of course you know spoiler alert brock lesnar wins the whole thing setting up some weird storylines i'm not sure how it's going to work out for the the person that took the hit for all this though was Big E. Um, he went from a singles match to a three-way to a fatal five-way and then you know we looked at the whole thing and the beast and car took home gold and his side bitch paul Heyman. Um, but Adam, what, let's not talk about the whole card because the whole card was decent. Let, talk about the main event. What did you see there? Yeah. So I, I flipped it on for the main event. It was uh, very fast paced. I think it only went, I think it went less than 15 minutes with five guys in there. So it was just Eight like minutes, boom, 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 oh, even quicker. Um, so I did catch the whole thing. I thought I might've started into it late. So yeah, I saw the whole thing then. And, uh, yeah, I mean, brutal. They you know, brought around the outside. Everybody hit their finishers in succession. Uh, it ended with Lashley looking really strong and Lesnar winning. Like, I, I think Lashley's the only one that didn't take uh, an F5. And then he got Brock in his finisher right before the finish. But it got broken up and Brock won. Um, so it looks like they're setting up for possibly Lashley 
Lesnar, which I'm okay with. Uh, feel bad for Big E. Um, my only hope, and I've heard conflicting reports about this, is that we don't get Lesnar reigns at WrestleMania, and they do something goddamn new. Um, so hopefully they're in two separate title matches, but who knows? I've also heard they might put one of the belts on Seth and then do Lesnar uh, Raw or Lesnar Reigns and Rollins Big E or something. So who I just knows? don't want these multi-man matches. I want. I think that Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar are made for one-on-ones. I think Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, uh, even, you know, like maybe even Biggie a little bit are made for multi-man matches. But right. I just feel like big guys, big meat mountains like them need to have one-on-one clashes for those belts. That would have been an awesome 30-minute match between just Biggie and Seth Rollins or just Biggie and uh, Kevin Owens. Like you could have had a really like epic, story-driven match and they just kept adding people into the match every week and then day of lesnar comes in so yeah it was a it was really impressive how much like how smooth and uh it was like a flawless match for them only booking it out like that day so yeah uh wasn't bad short but ended how i expected i give them a lot of credit um for being able to put together something that definitely probably entertained fans the initial idea here was for biggie to retain so dave Meltzer actually reported that biggie was supposed to keep his title and the other storylines were supposed to flesh out during the day one pay-per-view to lead on to more storylines and more matches down the road leading up to wrestlemania uh however now click conflicting reports are coming to light that seth rollins was supposed to capture the gold uh, in the match against um, Big E. It's hard to yeah, say what's supposed of, to happen anymore. Yeah. Did you do the same thing? I heard both. I heard Seth Rollins was either going to take it or Big E was supposed to retain, but no. neither neither happened. So right. I, I, I would like I would like the belt on Seth. I think he's a really good heel uh, on Raw. Um, I don't think I don't I don't want cross branding like this. It's a mess. I don't know. They're in a real mess. Hopefully, it makes them be more creative going into mania but i doubt it <laughs> i doubt it too we're gonna get we're gonna get reigns and lesnar i know it we're gonna get a so adam going from scripted fighting to unscripted fighting uh there was a match that was supposed to happen and then it didn't or it did and it was signed or so we thought so uh nate diaz versus dustin poirier it was supposed to take place here in february However, Chael Sonnen broke news on January 6th stating that the fight was never signed. Uh, the UFC admin never even talked about it and that it was just the two fighters talking shit on Twitter. Um, however, we don't know which side collapsed. And Chael Sonnen makes a statement saying that he can't say what's in each guy's head. But he can only see what's playing out in you know social media and whatnot. Uh, he quotes Diaz to say that he wants to fight immediately. I'll fight anyone. Get me someone tonight. While Dustin has stayed fairly quiet. Um, we don't know what stopped this match from happening, but would you like to see this match happen? Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, there's nothing really on the line except bragging rights. Um, Poirier definitely has more to lose than Diaz if if he lost this fight. But uh, yeah, it should be a moneymaker. I'd, I'd order that fight. Even if like that's the even if that's the main event, like that's enough to sell a card for me. And usually too, when the UFC does something like that, they'll they'll put a good title match somewhere, but it's usually right. a bunch of super fights. They'll get a bunch of catch weight fights 
to put on that card too to kind of like bolster it up. That's what happened with uh, McGregor and Diaz too. They had a couple catchweight fights on there just to see right. what would happen. Yeah, and I just I I could see why Poirier might be hesitant. Like they're not if he wins, what's he really gain? If he loses, he falls down the card. Like yeah, it's, it's a it's a tough thing to say, and he's just coming off that title loss. Well, he didn't lose the title, but lost the title fight. Um, so he might just not be ready because when was that was beginning of December? Yeah. So yeah, he's still he couldn't fight probably till February March anyway. After that was a pretty brutal fight. Yeah, he got rocked. He got rocked a few times. Um, I think yeah, fighting in February against someone like Diaz who has a pretty brutal skill set too. I think that'd be kind of dangerous for him to take on. Um, so talking about pay per views you want to buy, would you like to watch Tyson Fury box Francis Ngannou? No, not at all. That that's just that that would be a complete domination by Tyson Fury, no doubt. Possibly, uh, but there are fans that went insane this past Thursday because Fury went to Twitter and said that he would love to uh, tie it up with Francis Ngannou, stating, "Who would like to see me fight this beast boxing rules with UFC gloves, tagging Dana White and Francis Ngannou." Um, to know that these two guys would fight with five ounce gloves, that makes me very scared for everyone's brain involved. Five ounce gloves makes it more interesting. Um, still though, it's just technique over power. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a display of that. I think Fury has, a, I mean, he has power too, but nobody hasn't gone to power. Like, so it would totally just be the boxer using all his technique, avoiding those big shots. I think he'd win. Yeah, I think so too. I watch it. I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, I would too. I'm, I'm t- I was gonna say, when are you gonna stop lying to yourself and say that you're gonna not buy this? I'd the five ounce gloves definitely makes me interested. Yeah. That's gonna be some damage. That's gonna be a quick fight. Well, there might be some time uh, for uh, for Tyson to get ready because uh, Francis Ngannou is actually scheduled to uh, fight for a title here at UFC 270. So, Adam, let's take a quick second here to look at the card and make some predictions. Uh, we should note that one of the fights here, thank you again, Adam, for bringing this to my attention, the Derek Brunson and Jared uh, Conier fight has moved to February um, due to complicated, probably COVID-related, I would say, or, you know, injury-related. Probably they canceled it back, um, like, mid-December. So, I don't know if it, it might have been an injury. I think it might have been. This one might actually might have suffered from an injury, okay. a minor injury in training. Bursitis. Does he have bursitis? <laughs> so let's take a look at first and foremost, Greg Hardy taking on Alexi uh, Olenek. Um, I'll go right now. I hate Greg Hardy because he screwed me over the last time I picked him. So I would go with <laughs> Alexi Olenek. Uh, both guys have great striking. It should be a great match, but I think Hardy is going to do exactly what he did last time and show everybody that he's a punk. <laughs> kind of in a similar fashion every time i don't pick alexi olenic he wins so i'm gonna pick him this time um and yeah greg hardy's kind of a trash bag human so uh I'd like to see him get tapped a few times but uh yeah should be a good fight i mean every time they try to push hardy up into this next echelon he seems to gas out and get caught so yeah I, uh, yeah i'm taking i'm taking olenic in that too so moving on to the next fight here, uh, Michael Morales taking on Trevin Giles. So uh, in this fight here, I like Michael Morales uh, just due to his striking ability uh, against uh, Trev, uh, Trevin, uh, only because I think Morales has a better stand-up game. Uh, I think Trevin has a better ground game, but I think that Morales' ability to uh, adapt in his boxing strategies is going to actually carry him to the victory on this one. 
Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, Morales is also undefeated, uh, winning his last five fights pretty dominantly. So uh, it's all, I don't I don't really know much about either guy, but I'm also thinking Morales is taking this one. That's right. Look at us agreeing on this. He seems like he's on his way up where Trevin's trying to keep his spot. He's 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 lost a couple in his last two of his last five. He's lost. So it's 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 the ascending young star and the plateauing middle aged star. He's probably oh he's only thirty. Yeah, middle aged. But for UFC, we kind of middle aged. It's a twenty two year old versus a twenty nine year old. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of extra years on that body in MMA. We got to remember too. Anytime there's a pro athlete to any degree, it's like dog years, man. Like just right. the brutality of their training alone uh, ages them faster than what you and I go through on a daily basis. So twenty nine thirty is like forty five fifty, if you, depending too on how much uh, you know impact you're taking on each match. Right. So let's look at uh, the first title fight here. It's going to be uh, Brandon Moreno. Uh, Marino, I apologize. Take you on Davison Figadira. <laughs> I can't uh, do it. Nailed it. Um, so this is their third fight. Their first fight ended in a draw. Uh, Moreno took the second one to get the flyweight title, and now this is the third. So I'm rooting for Figgy just to see if they can do it a fourth time. <laughs> I would like to see. So I'm taking Figgy to win this. Yeah, I would say the same. Uh, these guys put on shows every time. I don't ever see anybody. Uh, taking their foot off the gas pedal each time they get locked into a cage together. It is actually kind of a toss up to see who would win, but much like you, I do want to see figs take it because I want to see another match or I don't care. Let Brandon take it and still give us a fourth fight. Right. If it's close enough, if it goes to like, if it goes to like a split decision, you could still get a fourth fight out of it. There you go. Perfect. Give me the SD and then bring it back for number four. Yeah. So that brings up to the, the main title fight that we already mentioned earlier it's francis nangano taking on uh cyril gain so this is for the heavyweight title uh this is going to be a complete meat mountain just clash yes i think it's and i want to believe here that good old nangano's power is going to be the deciding factor uh gain is a great striker and a great grappler and he's a good all-around fighter but you can't teach the power that ningano has in his hands it's a good thing this wasn't a bet to do matt because i'm also taking the cambodian uh no oh my gosh the powerhouse from cameroon sorry oh my gosh <laughs> i was gonna let you finish and see where you went with that yeah, one because there's that no fucking way he's from cambodia <laughs> different continents cameroon uh sorry um, but yes, Francis Ngannou is going to knock knock him out, I believe. This is definitely a one-rounder. Unless they start really hesitant and really slow. Like if they start swinging out. in the first round, it's going out in the first round. Yeah. I could agree with that. Yeah, they're going to just try to like feel each other out, get that respect level in, which I would say, yeah. hey, Francis, don't do that, man. You completely overpower yeah. this guy. Jump in Charge there him. and start throwing. Charge him. Hit him with that uppercut. Yeah. So we're going to go to some ads here. And of course, we want to keep rolling with these commercials. We have our friends over at the Cultworthy podcast with Antonio Palacios, who takes a weekly stroll down cinema lane to bring you some cult hits and much more. So check out the Cultworthy podcast. Uh, it's cultworthy.com. And uh, just tell them the boy sent you. And of course, uh, you listen to our, the ads there and you want to support them, you support us. And when you support us, we bring us pretty cool stuff. So we'll see you on the other side. 
The Cult Worthy Podcast. Your host, Antonio Palacios, will guide you week by week through a bevy of cult favorites, obscure cinema, and hidden gems. Listen to us on your favorite platforms or follow us on thecultworthy.com. The Cult Worthy Podcast. Nice ink, Adam. Yeah, I got your name on my ass. <laughs> uh, I was talking about your forearm, though. Oh, yeah. Well, I've been taking care of it. Yeah, it looks great, man. Uh, what, are, what are you using? I'm using Lucky 13's Tattoo Cleanser and Healing Ointment. This ointment is incredibly fresh and invigorating. It effectively removes all surface oils and dirt while not dehydrating your new tattoo. Dude, I actually got some of Lucky 13's Tattoo Balm. It's all natural, not oily, and applies easily. The balm improved my color and definition, and the vibrance on this ink makes it look like it's brand new. Oh yeah, man. I found their products after taking their online quiz and it pointed me in the right direction. Hey, guess what? And right now, if you use our promo code MATA193529, you can save 25% on your entire order from their site. From the first line of your tattoo to the first year of your tattoo and beyond, Lucky 13 has you covered to keep that ink looking fresh. Welcome back. Hopefully you heard something that you like. Because again, when you do, you can support our sponsors. And when you support them, you support us. When you support us, you bring us pretty cool stuff. And do not forget about the Cult Worthy Podcast. So, Adam, I threw out the social media. I asked everyone who follows us, do you like revenge movies or movies based in revenge? 82% of our fans said absolutely. Well, 18% of them said no way. Um, I'm a personal fan of revenge movies. I think that they're great. I think they have great drama. They can be played in comedies, horrors, thrillers, whatever you want. Um, and I think it, it's an easy way to map out a new cinematic experience through the, the efforts of revenge. I, I'm, I'm a fan of some of them. Some of them are a little heavy-handed, uh, but overall, I like them. Why are you being a bitch about it? <laughs> There's some like really bad ones that I love. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, sometimes revenge takes on a really weird twist and you're like mm, i don't know if i could have uh, i could have dealt without this <laughs> one of the most uh heavy-handed dumb movies i've ever seen is death wish 3 check it out if you want a good laugh it is hilarious there's also another movie out there if you want to throw up and have nightmares for a year it's called a serbian film it's about revenge oh that is a revenge movie i didn't even think of that yeah mm -hmm. it's pretty yeah, disgusting. That, that'll yeah, make I, you wish uh, you didn't yeah, that'll make you wish you didn't have eyes at yeah. a certain point. Uh, it'll make you very happy you have bleach because you're going to start drinking it. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. So, Adam, we're in round two. It's your turn to bring us a beer. So put them together. Call round two beers. So I got one from your favorite brewery here in Pittsburgh, Yellow Bridge, Little Mo. <laughs> it is a, uh, it's a New England IPA uh, that's hopped exclusively with Mosaic. So they use mosaic and cryo mosaic. So not going to lie. I had one of these uh, already. I know it's good, but wanted to feature them on the podcast because Matt's such an asshole to him. <laughs> Did you tell him when you were up there that I was talking shit? Oh, yeah. I, I, I texted Justin the next day. What did he say? He told you he just wants you to fuck off. He actually listens to the podcast. So <laughs> not only did you offend a brewery, you offended a listener. Two for one, baby. That's what I like to go for. Yeah, great hazy color. Oh, yeah. Just get a bunch of that blueberry and bitterness that you get from Mosaic. I like it. 
That's why. Check it out. Little Mo. I think you can still get four packs of it at Yellow Bridge. Yeah. If you find what's happening on Yellow Bridge, search them out on all social media. It's Yellow Bridge Brewing. Um, Justin Goodfellow is up there and he is the head brewer. He's a nice guy. I just poke fun. I do like Yellow Bridge a lot. Um, so, but I'm sure that Justin would like to get revenge on me for talking all that shit on Yellow Bridge. Uh, and he might get his opportunity. We'll see if we can get him on the podcast. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but Adam, the new year is here. And the new year is meant to be an awakening, a rebirth, a start to a new you. New me, baby. And what better way to start off a new year? Hashtag same shit here. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But with a little bit of motherfucking revenge. So... Adam, like I said before, Revenge in Cinema and Television has been as old as the first celluloid panel to grace a screen. So I challenge you to the Mount Rushmore of revenge movies. Now, we're not going to hold ourselves just to horror movies. This can be any movie across any genre we want. So I want you to dig deep into the movies that you say you don't like, but you clearly do. I know you watch Hallmark, Hallmark movies. I don't know if there's any revenge movies there. But Oh, yes, there is. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Lifetime. Sorry. <laughs> so <laughs> Lifetime, like for sure, there's... A guy does something terrible. A woman comes back and destroys him. Yeah. So, Adam, we do have some new listeners. So, to break it down for them, it's a uh, it's it's head to head challenge. Adam versus Matt, and we're gonna trade off picks going uh, one through four in sequential order. Uh, Adam steals my first round pick. I have to think of another one. So, don't have one through four. Have one through ten prepared. And after we get our eight picks all together, we will then battle it out to see which four can grace our Mount Rushmore of revenge movies. Now, Adam, as we've noted on multiple occasions, you don't keep track of this shit. So I will let you know you are scheduled <laughs> to go first. Great. I guess you won't take my first round pick then. Yeah, I don't keep track of this shit. You could go first every time. And be like, Oh, your turn again. Okay. <laughs> um, but my first movie, it's really, really just a personal favorite. It's definitely not like a big screen, not a big hit in America at all because it's a Korean film. And it is I Saw the Devil, which is one of the best revenge movies I've ever seen, clearly, because it's my number one pick. Um, yeah. So just a quick summary of what it is. Uh, a, a serial killer is out and about and uh, kills the wife of a cop, a detective, I believe. Um, and the detective goes psychotic and goes after the serial killer, attacks him, uh, tortures him, mutilates him, and then lets him go over and over again it's cat and mouse the whole time to the point where by the end of the movie at least i started feeling bad for the serial killer and like just scared of the detective um it's a it's a thriller it's not really a horror movie but it is there is body horror there is gore there's torture there's great fight scenes it's it's just everything you want in a movie um but it is in korean so uh get those subtitles ready um but it's a it's a it's a must watch I couldn't agree more. I love I Saw the Devil. I've watched it at least twice for sure. Um, great movie. And you're right. The It's not quite a horror movie, but it edges up to it as close as it possibly can with some of right. the body horror that goes yeah. on in that film. If you don't like it's gory. It's not like there's no jump scares or anything, but it is gory yes. for sure. Very much so. So, Adam, I, for my first round pick here, I decided to go ahead and stick with a, a foreign film as well. I'm glad that you you broached it first, uh, as we do know that, you know, 
directors from overseas tend to put on some of the best dramatic and uh, enthralling movies we can ever see. So a movie that really jump-started my love of revenge movies comes from uh, the year 2003. It's a, it's a trip called Old Boy. Motherfucker. Where an obnoxious old drunk or obnoxious drunkard is uh, bailed out of jail, and then he's quickly then abducted and detained for 15 years, only given the uh, solace of television. No human interaction whatsoever. His whole life is evolving outside of him. Everyone thinks he's gone. Uh, and then when he escapes, he grabs his hammer. And from there, there are some iconic scenes that even the remake of uh, the American reboot here actually play- paid homage to by going shot for shot with it. Thank goodness, because the 2003 and I believe it's a Korean movie as well. Old boy uh, is the quintessential Asian revenge horror movie that everybody needs to see trigger warnings abound in this one tons of violence tons of sexual stuff tons of gore tons of people getting their foreheads smashing with hammers trigger warning trigger warning trigger warning so my first round pick old boy yeah and even though that is a korean film the american remake i think made in 2013 i think it was about 10 years later featuring josh brolin is equally good uh you can't beat the ending i'll just keep it at that so there's no spoilers but uh yes it's twists and turns all the way through it's a really cool movie it was definitely on my list and now i gotta rewind a little bit let me uh see what i want to take next um oh i got some good ones but i know if i don't pick other ones you're gonna probably freaking take them i know but i'm just gonna go with another it's actually another thriller not horror yet um and i'm gonna go with 1991's remake uh that scorsese did of cape fear featuring robert de Niro as one of the fucking coolest uh revenge characters ever so he was not a he uh, robert de Niro plays a character called max katie who was convicted of rape he did the rape but the his defending attorney buried and didn't use certain things he could use in his defense so when he gets out 13 years later 14 years later something like that he stalks the uh his defense attorney played by nick nolte before all the drugs by the way he looks great in this movie oh yeah and great acting all the way around um the whole cast is great i mean it's just a classic movie Uh, of course it is a remake i don't know if i've ever seen the original um, but I love Scorsese, uh, and this is just like a crime thriller. Does kind of have some jump scary spots. It's definitely not a horror movie. It's just a psychological thriller. But uh, great movie, like most Scorsese movies, pretty long but totally worth it. Um, great practical effects in most of it. <laughs> some of them are a little dated now that we're in 2022. But uh, yeah, it's it's a movie I go back and watch all the time. And fun fact for our wrestling fans it's uh bray wyatt loosely based his like cajun cult leader gimmick on robert dano's character from this movie so that's awesome yeah a breakout performance too by uh juliette lewis in yes, that movie uh, awesome she plays the daughter it's yeah. very cool she, fantastic job in that movie yeah i can't recommend that movie enough i think we got some bangers here going man I'm trying to remember who the oh Jessica Jessica Lang is the wife too, and she's yeah. awesome. The whole the main four characters are just awesome. That's what happens. You so get Scorsese doing that, man. He it might be talent. 
it might be my favorite De Niro character ever. It's just so he's so freaking creepy and slimy and just a uh, psychopath. Love it. What about his role in Meet the Fockers, though? I mean, that was. Yes. Yeah. He was almost just as psychotic. In Meet <laughs> I just want to make sure I brought that to light, sir. We need to talk about Meet the Fockers at one point. <laughs> Not today. We've already covered it too much. We have. We've given enough credence. So, Adam. Go ahead and steal another one from my list, you asshole. uh, I'm going to come for one of them right now because I know you keep this in your pocket whenever you can use it against me, and I had to make sure that I went and took it now because my favorite slasher ever, my favorite franchise, is about to get their reboot here in a few days. The 1996 reinvention of the modern-day slasher, Scream, where we saw... Billy Loomis uh, and his sidekick Stu killing Sidney Prescott's mother in an effort to get back at the entire Prescott family because the affair that Sidney's mother was having with Billy Loomis's uh, dad drove his mother away. So Billy wanted to take everything that Sidney Prescott had. So I love Scream and the whole thing, the whole franchise from one to that albatross that came out. It's all based (laughs) on revenge. To some degree, everyone t- assumes the role of the Ghostface killer because they want to get back at Prescott. So, with my second round pick, I'm taking a personal favorite of mine, Scream. Very nice. Um, you didn't take one that was on my list, actually. Okay. So, I don't know what I'm doing here, and that's not. God damn it! I'm stunning you. That's what's happening. Yeah. Well, I'm also trying to find the right movie here, and it's not. There it is. Okay, I got it. So, for third, I'm going to make an adjustment because I thought you were going to take this by now, but you haven't. I'm going to horror slash thriller. I'm going with I Spit on Your Grave from 1978. And it is also a very brutal movie. I was between two brutal movies here, and I'll tell you what the other one was if you don't pick it. Um, But I Spit on Your Grave is about how am I going to phrase this? A woman that goes into the country to write a book. A <laughs> uh, trigger and, alert. Trigger yeah, warning. Yeah. It's, it's uh, very triggery uh, all the way through. But uh, meet some uh, local yokels that are less than upstanding citizens and um, gets attacked. I'll just put it that way. But that's where the trigger warning comes in. And then she survives and comes back and mutilates them. So uh, it's kind of fun. But uh, – yeah, kind of your classic. Uh, this is has become a revenge trope now, but I think this is the first or second movie that did it um, back in the 70s that, that I've seen. Like, I think in the timeline, there's one other one that, again, might be said here in a little bit. But um, great movie, very cringy, but just uh, probably the first revenge movie that was this brutal that I've ever seen. So it's going to make my list. It's a, it's a classic revenge movie. That was definitely up on my list, uh, and you're right. It is the first film in 1978 to accompany another film that may pop up here, and we may have to. It might be in our honorable mentions, but that trope actually accompanied a lot of the exploitation films that happened in the 60s and early 70s. Um, and then, of course, cinema takes something and takes it from African American culture and makes it white culture, and that's where we got "I Spit on Your Grave" because they wanted their own exploitation film, and that's where we get the common. 
I hate to say that the common trope of the uh, sexually abused woman uh, exacting her revenge on those who perform those acts upon her. Um, yeah. I'm going to go lighthearted with number three because <laughs> you made this way too just, fucking heavy. <laughs> Uh, you said old boy, so. Mm. <laughs> but nobody knows what happens in the old boy. You have to go back and watch that shit. I think just about anyone who listens to us watched I Spit on Your Grave and all the remakes. So Yeah, there's there's way too many remakes for how. <laughs> there's one called Deja Vu. Yeah, I watched it. <laughs> of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> so, Adam, for my third round pick, I'm, I'm going to jump away from thriller, horror, drama, and I'm going to jump into the world of comedy because I believe that comedic revenge tropes are just as good as horror tropes because it gives you an ability to really go overboard with these things. And in 1984, a movie came out that really helped uh, guys like me find their place, and that's The Revenge of the Nerds. In 1984, oh uh, Gilbert and Lewis are forced out of their dorms by the Alpha Betas after their latest party craze burns down their frat house. Uh, from this point, you can just cue all the cool 1980s montages and all the comeuppance that the Alpha Betas deserve. And at one point, too, uh, Lizzie McGuire's dad gets to bang a hot cheerleader in an inflatable room. So what's not to like about this movie? And it has revenge in the title. So, I mean, I think I check all the boxes on this one. <laughs> that's uh, that's a pick. I'll just say that. I gu- I'm guessing you threw it out there because revenge is in the title. Oh, great, great way to parrot what I just said, you motherfucker. <laughs> no, it's it. The whole movie is about revenge. The whole movie is about revenge. The, the movie doesn't exist. Oh, really? Revenge of the Nerds is about yeah. revenge? Well, yeah, because you can have revenge in a title and there'd be no revenge in it whatsoever. But the yeah. whole movie itself is the underdogs. It's the quintessential underdog story taking it is. over the alphas. It's iconic. There are so many things that happen in that movie that people will talk about today and still use in modern cinema. Yeah, including sexual assault. There's a sexual assault in that movie. Oh, yes, there is. <laughs> yes, there is. <laughs> the girl doesn't come back and get revenge, but yes, there is. You know there is. There is a couple things that happened in that movie. But it was the <laughs> 80s, and things were way looser back then. <laughs> so, right, Adam, what do you have for number four? Um, so yeah, I'm not, it's not getting any lighter on my end. Uh, probably my second favorite director behind Scorsese is Quentin Tarantino and a lot of his movies involve revenge, but my favorite starring Uma Thurman, Kill Bill, where, uh, she gets shot in the head and left for dead and comes back and samurai fights everybody. It's really another modern callback. I think this was in 2003 this was released um it's really another callback to those exploitation films it it really has even that gritty feel to the the filming and everything um great dialogue great action and it's just probably the biggest revenge movie of the early 2000s so i think it it, it caught fire are you using volumes one and two because you're allowed to do that I I'll take them both, but specifically volume one. I mean, they were both great, but volume one's the 2003 release and my favorite of the two. I would agree with that. I think volume one, I think the, uh, the ascension of the bride's character in volume one uh, is way better than just like the ultra gore that kind of happens in volume two. And yeah. David Carradine's character before he auto rotted himself, um, 
great job in this one. Uh, I think he did a great, he, he went back to the old, like, I'm a borderline psychopath kung fu master, which was pretty cool. So, <laughs> so you took my number four. Thanks. Yes. Uh, cause it's, it's a game of chess over here, but I'm going to try to hurt you with my, my last one here. Cause I'm surprised you left this one on the table. Um, so one of the most, uh, story driven horror movie icons that we can think of in previous cinema, modern cinema, ongoing cinema, video games, uh, is Jason Voorhees. And he does not get his start until, Mama Voorhees takes her revenge out on every single counselor at Camp Crystal Lake in Friday the 13th, part one. So with my fourth round pick, I'm taking your favorite horror franchise and I am putting it on my board. You son of a bitch. Technically, that is a revenge movie. And look at the I, shirt. And I knew, I saw you wearing the shirt and I was like, if he doesn't pick it, I want to pick it so I can hurt him. Motherfucker. That does hurt. That does hurt. Can't believe you left it there. That's why I pick Scream because you always like to pick it, rub it in my face. <laughs> Especially if you like go through because it it's originally the mother's revenge for the death of her son, and then it flips in the two through twenty or how many? There's a ton. Ever movies there are. Um, good one. Damn you. So, do you have any honorable mentions that you want to go into until before? Literally between the two of us, I only have one left, and oh, really? it would. It was, I was between this or I spit on your grave and it's last house on the left. Wonderful. Yep. Which is very similar, similar time period. Um, not as well. Yeah. It's almost equally as icky to use a word, um, but not quite as icky as I spit on your grave. So uh, yeah, the one that's impacted me more is I spit on your grave, not influenced, just impacted. It's yeah. it, it sticks with you. Key word choice here, buddy. Yes. Key word choice. <laughs> Impact. Impact. So I had uh, John Wick, the first one. Uh, I, I thought of that, but I knew it wasn't going to make. I would have pulled it if you took everything I had. Right. Uh, Billy Madison for a funny one, if I needed to get you to giggle. Or if you would have kept putting on rate bangers, which I thought was, was going to happen here. Uh, but didn't. And I, I think only one. Dogs. Yeah. I had straw dogs on there uh more of a home invasion but it borders up on a revenge um had carrie from 1976 it's a strong one uh taken or like or like to say uh token uh, <laughs> with liam neeson i have a particular set of skills <laughs> and last but not least one that not doesn't get as much mention as it used to and it didn't get mentioned here until right this moment but memento uh great movie yeah, yeah. That, that almost made my list too because that has the uh not only revenge but like the backwards storytelling in it that's a yeah. pretty good that's I really a, enjoy very, that one. so adam we have eight very strong picks here um i believe that our, our mount rushmore is going to give people a nice little catalog of movies to check out if they want to get their revenge fix so if you just want to be skeeved out <laughs> oh yeah there's a there's a list we could put together <laughs> so at this point, I think that we have two good lists. I don't think there's a clear-cut winner out of the two of us who has the better four. I think we both have uh, strong, strong lists here. I will say um, you did steal I Spill in Your Grave from me, but I did steal Old Boy from you. 
Yeah. I mean, I didn't think old boy was going to make it to round two. I was really between whether to use, I saw the devil or that for my first one. Plus I didn't really want it two formed films on my list, but if, if it wasn't taken by like third or fourth round, I probably would have put old boy on. Cause it's super strong. Yeah. Um, I just like, I saw the devil a little bit more. It's a little, uh, easier to stomach, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, I would say let's, if we look at these though, I think that the number one, movie for revenge is old boy um yes okay yes uh, i think There's... the movie doesn't exist without revenge from multiple Again, yeah i was gonna say not to spoil much but there's revenge from multiple angles uh so yes i can't uh can't deny that it is very creative and layered with its revenge yes um i think you have a strong argument here if I could put words in your mouth uh, for Cape sure. Fear. Yeah, I was actually going to say that. I, I might I might try to force I Saw the Devil on towards the end, but um, since we, we have one foreign film on there, I'll take a, a true classic when, when remakes were good. I go with Cape Fear. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know what else I'd like to argue on my list. Uh, I like... I like Kill Bill and I saw the devil. I spit on your grave. Great. It's classic. It's a rough watch though. That's it's a tough one. Borderline um almost like it feels like you're kind of watching a snuff film. It's <laughs> yeah. a tough watch. Especially the old one cuz it's on very, you know, gritty film. It's not shot wonderfully. It's great like the especially the lead actress, my her name escapes me at the moment, but she's great. Um Oh yeah. Which kind of makes it even tougher to watch. Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm, I'd like to put uh, Kill Bill up there because I think Tarantino has a lot of revenge movies, and I think you know Django is a good one. And Glorious Bastards almost made my list as well. All revenge movies, uh, but I, th- I think Kill Bill is shit. Has he made a movie that's not or could not be twisted to revenge? Maybe not. I mean, yeah, almost can say that. Like Reservoir Pulp Fiction, Dog- there's Reservoir Dogs isn't really a revenge movie. That's true. Okay, that's true. But yeah. Pulp Fiction is like there's Pulp Fiction fucking is. <laughs> yeah. for sure. Looking at you, Ving Rames. Um, yeah, <laughs> I- I'd argue. Kill- <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> so I want to make an argument for levity, for levity here, sir, for Revenge of the Nerds. Nope absolutely not i feel that we have a lot of things in this we see ultra gore we see twists in old boy uh we see the the complete thriller psychological psychopathy in cape fear and i feel that we need a laugh and i feel that revenge of the nerds fills that gap you know what else is a funny movie though what <laughs> Don't. i'm gonna i i would love to put i saw the devil on the list but okay i'll i'll, I'll concede to something from your list but it's going to be Friday the 13th. Okay. Uh, also because funny. Not, not only, yeah. Not, and there's levity. It's not too serious. It's, it's a slasher. It's campy. It's corny. Yeah. Um, at parts. I'd like to throw the whole franchise. Well, no, not the whole franchise. Yeah. Maybe up to like part six. <laughs> Bite your tongue, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe up to like part five, part six. I can't remember which. Part six, I think is where i think part seven was the first one that kind of started to really suck 
one of these days here, what we're going to do is take all the uh, Friday the 13th movies in the franchise. We'll probably, you could probably do with the major franchises and like rank them, at, you know, in order from best to worst. And that's going to force us to watch them again. <laughs> I did watch Jason X sometime over the last year. Great movie. It's not, it's not the worst one. <laughs> no, it's not. I love Jason X. I think it's so much fun because I like sci-fi horror, number one. And I think that it's it's a very straightforward slasher and the gore and it was really good. But hey, but I got to save that because I feel like it's going to be a strong argument for me to try to put in the top three whenever we argue these movies. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd say, again, I agree. Levity is nice, but Revenge of the Nerds is ridiculous amount of levity on this list. Yeah, it's like a pound of C4 levity. Uh, yeah, it would so- be like going. It would be like going in. The, it's like, oh, all I ate was salads for a week. And now let me eat this whole birthday cake. It's like sugar. <laughs> it's too sweet have you been watching me (laughs) (laughs) so i agree let's put friday the 13th part one in there because it does have some laughable moments in it as well so it does provide some levity uh so our mount rushmore we have old boy kate fear kill bill and friday the 13th part one these are four great movies that you can really sink your teeth into if you're looking to get that revenge fix and of course if you think we've missed a movie or something that you want to argue for please don't forget that we drop listener polls on tuesdays and you can always send us dms and emails at dkwtb on all social media and dkwtb at gmail.com so adam i have a fix of revenge but only second to that for my lust for your beer so adam what is on tap and where can you find us? Oh, baby, baby. It's all on tap in the Jojo Toyam and available for bottles to go. We have a little bit of the bubbly, the Brute IPA coming in at 8.4%. Uh, still on tap one. Then we have Every Time I Chai, our Chai Tea Stout, sitting pretty at 7.5%. We have How the Groot Stole Christmas, which is our Cranberry Groot Ale uh, that we did for Christmas, obviously. Uh, that's coming in at 7.2%. And we have our gingerbread stout at 7.5. And then the big honking barley wine is getting bottled up as soon as I, sometime this week. I, I got to get it into some bottles this week. So everybody hit me up uh, if you want some. It's definitely making an appearance at the homebrew meetings this month. Uh, so I'm going to have to get that into bottles before I go under the knife on Thursday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And I call dibs on at least one bottle of barley wine. Absolutely, sir. One. And if you want to know what's going on with Adam down here at the Brew Lab, all you have to do is follow him at Bash underscore Brew on all social media. That's Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to follow him on Untapped. If you want to know what's going on with the boys down here in the Judge Tour, and we are at Decay and WTB on all social media. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at our email address, decayandwtb at gmail.com. Uh, we are going to start launching videos onto our YouTube channel as soon as I figure out how to be an actual videographer, which is happening soon. Uh, of course, we're COVID restricted today, but the next one, you know, green lights for that one. Um, thanks, Adam, for joining me for this one on Zoom. So from where we are from our respective places, the Brew Lab and Casadela Anderson to where you guys are listening to this uh, new episode. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. This Yellow Bridge fucking rocks. Ha <laughs> ha